loving Father, again, we are so thankful that you have been so merciful to us to allow us to once again come to your house of worship during this great camp meeting week of praise and prayer and power. We ask that tonight, as we prepare our hearts for communion on tomorrow and on Sabbath, some people even making decisions for baptism that they have spoken to their pastors about. We're asking that you would draw near to us in a marked way. You have been with us night after night and morning after morning and all afternoon and during these encampment, you have been in the midst of us. But bring us to the points of full surrender is our prayer tonight. Now hide me behind the cross of Jesus Christ, Lord, for if anything of me is seen, then we are wasting our time. So empower us, enlighten us, and encourage us through your word, and we will give you the praise when we leave this place as our prayer tonight in Jesus' name. Let the people say amen. This theme, again, for those who might be here for the first time, making God known is it is the powerful great commission, the divine commission that Jesus has given to his disciples and has given to all of us who have named his name as Lord and Savior. And as we have been here night after night from Monday, as we have pointedly looked at the things that it takes for us to go forward in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, knowing as it says in John 15, verse 16, and you know, folks, I just love to read this over and over again. I think I've used it every single night. John 16, John 15, verse 16, it says, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whosoever ye shall ask or whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. And ladies and gentlemen, when we look at that in the light of us going forward, do you know what that is really saying? It is saying that if we go forward in his name to bring men, women, boys, and girls to him, we will be successful. Some people don't witness. Some people won't hand out a tract. Some people won't give the testimony that God has given you and you know it came from God because nobody else can do you like Jesus. And he has placed it in your heart to share it, to make God known so someone else might have hope, that someone else might know that God cares, that someone else might know that God loves them with a love that will not let them go. And we are ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're too embarrassed. We feel as though people will reject us. But folks, when we read those scriptures, it tells us that we have been called, we have been ordained, we have been commissioned. He has given us what we need, the tools to be successful. And he says that we might bear fruit. Two kinds of fruit, and I've gone over this night after night. Two kinds of fruit. The first one is eat internal fruit, the fruit of the Spirit. 
that men and women, boys and girls might know that we are from God. It says, by their fruits you shall know them, not by their gifts. And when you have love and joy and peace and long-suffering and temperance and all the other fruit of the Spirit, people will see it and they will know that you are from God. And then the bottom line, the underline is that you will have fruit. Men and women, boys and girls will come to the living Savior because of your efforts. Jesus said he has called us to be fishers of men. Fishers of men. Taking them from the very depths of hell. Bringing them back from the edge. Restoring joy into families. Bringing marriages together, seeing children come back, that is our field, the whole world. And so many times we think of the mission fields as somewhere far away. But ladies and gentlemen, where Jesus has told us to make him known, we have to know him in our hearts and in our homes before you can go to any mission field. That's the first mission field, Earth Family. And this week, we have looked at the things that we need to do to make God known, to be able to be used by him, to fulfill the gospel commission that has been given unto us. Paul, in his love for the master, and we have been looking in the chapter 8 of Romans throughout this week. And folks, you know, I, I look at that chapter, and we started in, chap in verse 24, and we're working our way through. We didn't even touch the first half. We could go another full week of camp meeting with the first few verses. What did I tell you all? Let me stop. What did I tell you all about? Amen. I told you Dr. Reeves, who was the religion and theology chair at Oakwood College when I was there, university now, he said, if you can at least say a amen to a preacher once in a while, it's like saying sick him to a dog. Now, some folks might not understand the culture. That's an American saying, sick him. That's like when you take your dog and you say, go get that person, sick him. Well, when you say sick him to a preacher, it's telling that preacher to get that devil, sick him. Amen. 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 Okay, let's get back to work. I know you had a hard day. How many had fun out there today? You had fun? Even in the rain, I said to myself, as I saw all the buses going out, I said, only in England or Wales could the folks be happy going out on a, on a, on a day outing in the rain. <laughs> in America, we would have just shut that puppy down. Oh, we're not going anywhere. <laughs> but <laughs> the gospel goes into the world. Back to work. Jesus has given us these tools, this commission ordained us, given us the ability to know. He's told us from the very beginning that you will have fruit. You will see changes in yourself. You will have power. Acts 1 verse 8, we looked at this text night after night, telling us that we will have power. Power to live a holy life. Power to understand spiritual things because you cannot understand spiritual things on your own. Power to have your, your affections transformed. You see, you can have all of the knowledge, you can have all of the knowledge of the Bible, and you can be able to explain it, 
But if you have not received a new heart, ladies and gentlemen, if you have not become a new creature, all of that knowledge that you have will not transform you. If you have not submitted to the will of the living God, it will stand up against you in the judgment. So we have to say, like David said in Psalm 51, he ha we, have to, we have to say to our Lord and Savior, create in us a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. We have to be able to submit ourselves, our will, our desires, our likes, and our dislikes. We have to give them to Jesus and say, Lord, make me over, make me new, not just once, but every single day. If you don't do that, ladies and gentlemen, you'll find yourself backsliding and slipping back, and you'll find yourself, as the Bible describes, in a worse condition than when you first met Jesus Christ. Amen. So we need the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul said, I die daily. That relationship with Jesus Christ, it's a daily thing. You know and I know you can go to bed happy and feeling well and spiritually blessed and when you wake up in the morning you feel down and depressed and despondent like you can't make it. You don't know where it came from. All you did was put your head on that pillow and when you wake up in the morning you have all of this cloud of darkness around you. And folks, I want you to know that that's nothing more than the devil trying to steal your joy but that's why when you wake up in the morning if it's shiny in the sun, if it's raining like it is, around here, you just give that praise to your Savior for the ability to open your eyes, to be clothed in your right mind. You know, some folks wake up crazy, but he's kept you, and you have a knowledge of him, and you remember him, and you are thankful to him, and you have a the ability to go back and trace where God has blessed you. And even though there is a crisis around you, you have within you the knowledge of the scriptures that we looked at this week. And I'm looking at verse 28. It says, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and to them who are called according to his purpose. We have to just learn to wait on God. Trust him. Trust in the Lord with all thy heart and lean not to thy own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct our path. Proverbs 3 verse 5. That has to be our motto in life. It has to be our mantra. It has to be what guides us when things come up. We have to know him and trust him. Then we can make him known to others because people will look at you in your crisis time to see if you believe what you've been preaching, what you've been saying, what you have stood back and said, no, I won't work on Sabbath. You do not work on Sabbath. <laughs> Don't try to convince me but you try to tell that to the Lord that, oh, you're working on Sabbath and all of that money you're turning in as tithe. Some folks say that. Oh, Lord, and it's extra tithe because it's, it's double time. Double, he doesn't want double time. He says he wants you to be faithful to him, not just during church service, because some folks have this misconception that when you leave church, Sabbath's over. And we're not just talking about the young people. Some folks leave church and go to work. 
as if that pacifies the Lord. The Lord says, if you love me, John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. And the heart of that commandment, ladies and gentlemen, the heart of the commandments is the fourth commandment. It is the seal that we will have in these last days. It's the thing that makes us different. It has his name, his title, his territory. It is the thing that will stand up in the last day crisis that we have to go through. And we who say we are his who say we know him who are trying to make him known to others we must hold true and faithful to God's Sabbath because it's a sign that we are his people and he is our God I look at the scriptures and I see that he's given us the promise of the Holy Spirit. We can be holy men and women. We can be men of God. We can be used to win individuals. He's given us the power of the Spirit, and he's given us the power of the Word. Folks, do you realize, do you realize how potent this book is? I don't want you to raise your hand. I know some sister's going to raise her hand, and I'm not picking on a sister, but I know some senior sister's going to raise her hand, and she's going to say, Pastor, I've done it over. But how many of you have ever read your Bible through? Okay, get your praise on. Raise your hand. <laughs> how many have read your Bible through? How many read your Bible through and got something from it? Because some of us, we just read the program, you know, reading the program through, just trying to say we read it through. Speed reading. You have to take the Word of God and let it mature. It's like, oh, I know I'm going to mess with my diet now. It's like getting a piece. Now, it might not be your favorite, so don't get mad at me, but it's my favorite, of lemon meringue pie. Now, any lemon meringue pies in here? Do they have ovens in the chalet? Somebody could whip one of these up by the <laughs> Lemon meringue pie was my favorite pie as a child. Nothing like that. Nothing like it. It was the best. It was the only thing that would allow me to eat green peas. Green peas was, it was like kryptonite for Superman to me. I'm not kidding you. My dad is watching, and I'll get a call later. He knew that I would not eat peas. They would make those peas. They would save them for me for breakfast. They say, you won't eat it now. You're going to eat them later. And I refuse. They bring it for lunch. I still refuse. You're going to go to bed. Well, send me to bed. I refuse. I wouldn't eat them. I hated those things. That to me, and, and split pea soup, that is a double portion. <laughs> but my mother, she knew what to do. She would make a lemon meringue pie, and she would have those peas. <laughs> and she said, Lawrence, if you want any of this, your favorite pie that I have made, you must eat your green peas. And ladies and gentlemen, I would sit there, let me make this short. I would there, I would eat everything else, every single thing on the plate, and I have those peas lined up. And then I would say to myself, this is for the pie. 
and I just, I throw them to the back of my throat so they would go down. This is for the pie. This is for the pie. So fast to eat them, they say, slow down, boy. No, this is for the pie. This is for the pie. So I could get to my dessert. And when I would get it, first I'd eat all the meringue off the top. And then I'd eat the lemon. And then I eat the crust that has been nice and so, and it was best. Ladies and gentlemen, there's things that we don't like in life, but we have to go through for the pie, for the prize, for glory. We might not want to do it, but as they used to say to me, it's good for you. No, it might not be good to me, but it truly is good for you. And folks, there's some things in the scriptures that it's hard to digest, especially when it crosses against our lifestyle and our prejudices and our own personal likes. We have to do what God says. You see, some of us are willing to follow the Lord as long as it agrees with us. But folks, we're not here to get along with God. We're not here for God to get along with us. We're here to get along with God, to do as he says. And we have to take the Word of God, and we have to internalize the Word of God, and we have to let the Word of God do its work for us. When I look at 2 Timothy 3, verses 15 and 16, it says that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. The Bible makes us wise. It says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God, and it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God, woman of God, boy of God, girl of God, may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Our belief system must be based on the Word of God that the Spirit of God will teach to us. We looked at that last night, that the Spirit of God will teach us all things. Jesus promised that the Comforter would come and teach us all things. It will bring things back to our remembrance. He will give us the power to do the things that need to be done. Why? Because the Holy Spirit will not just be with you. It tells us he'll be inside of us. If the Holy Spirit is inside of us, ladies and gentlemen, can we have failure? Can the devil have reigned over us? Are we still captives? We looked at this this week and we saw it. It tells us in the scriptures, ladies and gentlemen, and it's so sweet to us. It says in verse 31, of chapter 8 of the book of Romans, it says, what shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? If God is on our side, if God, the one who put forth the mountains, who put the sun and the moon in their place, the God who made everything and everything, the God who gave himself for us, if he is for us, who can be against us? The Apostle Paul is someone who loved Jesus so much after the Lord transformed his life. He says in chapter 1 of the book of Romans, and I love this text, another text that I love, and if I was at my home church, I'd say, this is my favorite text tonight. Verse 16, you know it. 
For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also the Greek. In other words, to the unbeliever, it's there for us. We are not ashamed of him because he has done everything for us. When we think about it, folks, he loved us when we were unlovable. If people did to you what we do to Jesus, you'd have contracts out on them. Or you might be bold enough, I'll just kill them myself. Well, you're all tired today. You're tired. I understand. It's okay. It's okay. Amen. That's okay. You're tired. You know it's true. The things that we have done to Jesus over and over again, not one time, not two times, not over and over again, a consistent disloyalty to him, a consistent betrayal to him, a consistent treachery, saying we are on his side and sometimes acting for the enemy, active agents of Satan. Someone said, I never did that. Oh, when you were gossiping, when you were backbiting, when you were undermining authority, when you allowed your own personal affections to get in the way, when you did the things that you knew you should never do again because you stood up before the whole church and before angels and before God in heaven and Jesus in heaven and the Holy Spirit was there and you took your baptismal vows and you said you were going to do all of that for the Lord and you were going to be his and you were going to be faithful with your tithe and then soon as you got on your own, you reverted back. But yet his love won't let us go, and his love is still there, and his love is still calling because he's a God like no other God, for there is no other God but him. Amen. He says, if God be for us, who could be against us? And folks, that means that we are winners, we are victors. We, victors. we saw last night that we are more than conquerors. How are we conquerors? As poor and enfeebled as we are. It's because we have Jesus. We have the Son of God. He fills us with the promises that are found in his word, and then he energizes us with the very power of the Godhead, his own beloved Holy Spirit. When we look at the facts, church, Romans chapter 5, when we look at the facts and we look at verse 6, it should bring a warmth to your heart. Romans 5, verse 6. For when we were yet without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. He didn't wait for us to get right and then come save us. He came to save us. Well, folks, he had already made a commitment to save us because he's the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. He says, scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet prevention for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commanded his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Folks, you need to burn that in your brain, in your psyche, in your mindset. 
You need to understand that and pray to the Lord and thank him for that every single day. When you wake up in the morning in your private time, in your personal devotion, and I hope you have personal devotion, and don't tell me when you come home from work that you are going to spend time in personal worship. It's too late. You know when you come home, the first place you're going to is to the refrigerator. And then you're going to pop something in the microwave or something is left in the pot. And then you're going to turn on the box. Now, I might be wrong there because some might turn on the computer. But either way, your mind is going to be focused on something else. Then your wife or your husband would appreciate you taking a shower. <laughs> and then the children want some time, and after you're nice and clean, and you may have a little devotion together, and then you're going to have your personal study, and you're going to sit there, and before you know it, nothing is being comprehended, and you're snoring. <laughs> but you had worship. When you wake in the morning, spend time with God. I'm not saying you have to have a full church service before you go to work or before you go out, but spend time with God. Talk to him. Ask him to guide your footsteps through the day. Give him the ability to take control of your life. Ask him to protect you from not only the enemy and, and Satan and those people that hate you, but protect you from yourself. We have to learn to pray protective prayers. Because let me say this to you folks. There's some days you don't feel like doing the right thing. Oh, about, the preacher didn't say to that camp meeting, send him back to America. <laughs> you don't always get up feeling hallelujah, glory, amen. There's some days you get up, you might have a bad disposition. And your family will usually tell you about it. There's some days you might get up and because of the pressures that are on you, you may feel as though, is it worth it? What good is serving the Lord doing for me? I look and I see the wicked doing this and they're prospering and I see this happening here and I'm being faithful. I'm doing my tithe and offering. I'm giving it to the Lord and I'm still broken and nothing's happening. And you get into a mode when you start doubting his goodness. Folks, you have to understand this. It doesn't matter what anybody else is doing. It's about you and your personal relationship with Jesus Christ. He sees you. He knows you. He loves you. He tests you. We talked about Job the other night. Job could have complained more than any one of us, but the Bible tells us we need to have the patience of Job. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. If I die, it's okay because I know that even though worms, even though worms consume my body, I know on the great getting up morning, my eyes, I shall see him for myself. He's coming for me. We have to trust him when we can't feel him, when we can't see him, when we don't feel like it. And you have to pray, Lord, even in the times of my doubt, in the time of my indecision, please don't 
don't let me go. Wrap me up in your arms. Keep me safe. Hold me close. Fill me through this time of trial that I might have that peace and the relationship is never broken. We got to know how to pray, church. We have to hold on to him. We have to believe that he's there. He has promised, folks. See, here's the thing. Jesus cannot lie. It's impossible for God to, God to lie. He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He says, I'll never put more on you than you can bear. He says that he will be our rock, our foundation, our strong tower. He is there for us, our buckler and our sword. He is there for us. He will send all the angels of heaven to make sure we don't fall to Satan and his army. He cannot lie. He's done it already. He proved it and signed it with his blood. I look at Hebrews 7 verse 25. And if you talk about a text that's powerful, Hebrews 7.25, these aren't new, you've heard them before, but you need to underline them, you need to think on these things. Ellen White says that we should spend one hour a day contemplating on the cross of Calvary. It says, Hebrews 7.25, wherefore, he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Yeah. Folks, are you reading this? Are you understanding what he's saying? He is able to save us. Folks, when we were born, we were justified. When we're born again, he takes us through that process of sanctification. We've been sanctified. We are not what we will finally be, but praise God, we're not what we used to be. For any man, any woman, boy or girl in Christ becomes a new creature. Old things pass away, all things become new. And folks, the thing that I love about Jesus, and I've seen it in my own personal life, he doesn't show us everything that's wrong with us. We would be overwhelmed. But he takes us one day at a time, and he reveals to us the things we need to work on, and he begins to move them out by the transforming of our minds through the power of the Spirit. And folks, you don't even miss the things that you used to love and you used to care about. He takes out the desire for this world and he places in your mind a desire for the world whose builder and maker is God. He puts in us a a, 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 a hedge that allows us to be able to contemplate spiritual things in an atmosphere of heaven that gives us an opportunity to make decisions that will be eternal. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. His compassions fell not. They are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. And that's what I like about it. You can mess up today, but folks, you wake up tomorrow with a clean page. Another start. Now, I'm not saying go out and mess up. Don't, don't ever think that. And don't ever say the devil made you do it. Because that's another lie. You look in your Bibles, I got to turn to this for you, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. You need to put this in your Bible and underline it and put it in your mirror when you look at yourself before you go out the house. 
It'll help you. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. There has no temptation taken you, but such as common to man. But God, who? But who? But who? But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. Folks, when we sin, it's our own choice. We want to do it. We want to do it either by curiosity. We want to do it because we have unbelief. We want to do it because we have presumption. Or we want to do it out of vanity. Vanity is the ability to please yourself. But folks, all four of them will get you the same thing. The wages of sin is death. It's our choice. Jesus promises here in this book, this book that cannot lie, that records his word, that was inspired by the Holy Spirit, it tells us no temptation can take us because Jesus only lets temptations come to us that we can bear. Now, I want to stop for a minute and give you an opportunity and think about the things that so easily beset us and when you look at it, you have to agree that the thing that you did that you knew were wrong is because you wanted to. Despite all you knew about heaven and earth, all you knew about God and his mercy, all you knew about the cross, you did it, I did it because we wanted to do it, either by unbelief or presumption or vanity. We did it because we wanted to. So that's why I'm thankful that that's not the only text in the Bible. It says, if any man sin, we have what? Talk to me, church. An advocate with the Father. And if we confess our sins, he is what? He is what? He is what? To do what? To cleanse us from all around. What God we serve. A mighty God, a loving God, a caring God, a one who doesn't want to see us lost. He wants us there with him. So we come back now, we come back now to our chapter that we've been with all week in the book of Romans, Romans chapter 8. We come back and now we can say, yes, we understand it. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. And then Paul Paul blows this chapter up now. The preacher said this is his favorite text. I think that this is all of our favorite text for tonight. He says, for I am persuaded. Now, now see, now, see, now you all want to go on and read this fast, but I'm going to do it like I do that lemon ring pie. I'm going to take my time with this. Paul says, I am persuaded. In other words, I have been convinced my mind has been made up. The evidence has come to me, and I have waited from both sides. You see, Paul was not always Paul. Paul used to be Saul, just like you used to be someone else. But I thank God when we get to glory, he has a new name for us. Amen, amen, amen. Saul was this individual who was caught up in himself. 
He believed his press clippings. Oh, Paul was somebody who knew how to brag about who he was and what his heritage was. Paul was this individual who it tells us in Acts 8.3 that he was someone who wrecked havoc on the church. Between that and Acts, verse nine, Acts chapter 9 verse 1, he wrecked havoc on the church. When you look at Acts 9 verse 1, turn with me there for a moment. In Acts 9 verse 1, he sought permission to go find Christians, find them wherever they were, and drag them back, cuffed, shackled to Jerusalem. And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. He had a zeal, but he didn't have knowledge. The Holy Spirit was working with him, but he rejected it. He pushed it away. How do I know? Well, it tells us in Desire of Ages that when they were there witnessing the stoning of Stephen, that he felt something, but he pushed it out. You see, sometimes, ladies and gentlemen, we want to be on the popular side. It'll benefit us. It'll make me somebody important. It will give me people looking up to me in the community. It will allow the folks to say, he's a great man. Paul, no, Saul was someone who had this desire to be with the most popular group of Pharisees. He had this desire to be seen by men and respected by men, not realizing that in his seeking the respect and favor of men, he was getting a close-up view of Jesus. The record says, the record says that when he became converted, all of those things that used to matter to him, and you know what? That's one thing I love about the Lord. There's some things that we used to do, but when we finally find the Lord and we understand what he has done for us, it changes us completely. We have a different outlook of it all. I look in the book of Philippians. Turn with me there. Philippians. Paul goes on to tell us what he once had, what he used to do. And in the interest of time, we just go right through the last verse 7, he, verse 8, he tells us that all of those things, being of the tribe of Benjamin and all the rest of it, he says, all of that, it's, it's, it's worth dung. Doesn't count anymore. The thing that counts now that I have been accepted by Jesus Christ I understand the scriptures now because the Holy Spirit has given it to me. I had it all misconstrued, but now I have a an understanding with my Lord and my Savior, and I won't go back. Life was good when he was Saul. He had the authority and the respect of people, but life got better with Jesus even though it got harder. When you look at 2 Corinthians chapter 11, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul gives a little essay on what transpired in his life, some of the hardships he went through. And folks, he wasn't bragging. He was just letting the folks know what had happened. And you know, sometimes when you give your testimony, people might think you're bragging, but you're just telling how good God is. 
2 Corinthians 11, verse 24, of the Jews five times received thy forty stripes, save one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I spent in the deep. In journeyings often, in dangers of waters, in perils of robbers, in dangers of my own countrymen, in dangers of the heathen, in dangers in the city, in dangers in the wilderness, in dangers in the sea, in dangers among false brethren, in weariness, in painfulness, in watching often, in hunger, in thirst, in fasting often, in the cold, in the nakedness. And he said, besides all of that, doing my work. Because it says, he goes on and says, these things came about me daily, even the care of all the churches. But he didn't mind. Folks, when you have a love for Jesus Christ, when you have a desire to serve him, you won't mind the burden. You won't mind the load because he's not going to put on you more than you can bear. We have to stay focused. We have to stay calm. We have to stay converted. We have to stay convinced. And the reason why I say you have to stay converted each and every day, because you have to die daily to know that there's no turning back. We have this gospel that has been given to us. It's a gift, eternal life. But it's not something we can keep to ourselves. We have to share it. And that's why last night when we looked at verse 37, it says, knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. And he says, for I am persuaded. In other words, when he looked at it, when he saw it, when God knocked him down off his high horse. And folks, sometimes the Lord has to knock us down from our high horse. And when you read it in Acts chapter 9, it tells him that after he knocked him down off his high horse, he had to get him straight. He sent him to a street called straight. Now, you got, that has to be prophetic. After he knocks you off your high horse, he sets you straight. And then, ladies and gentlemen, he becomes this champion for God. And he has given us these things that we can hold on to. He says in verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of God? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or danger or, or sword? He says, it is written, we have, for thy sake we have killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep in the slaughter. But nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, or any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Folks, if we can embrace that, if we can play that in our head day in and day out, if we can memorize these texts, then folks, when temptation comes to you, you would just say, huh, devil, you better come back with something else. Come back with something else. This has no power. It used to work. How many know some things used to work? You couldn't get away from it. It just called you back over and over again. But now, after you have had a relationship with Jesus Christ, the devil is scratching his head. He brought it back to you even in a better package. But you say, it doesn't work anymore. I have a new relationship because I have new values. I have a new love. I have a new destination. I'm not just saying I'm going to go to heaven one day. I'm practicing by going to heaven each day. How do you do that? By staying in the very atmosphere of prayer, ladies and gentlemen. The Bible says pray 
praying without ceasing. What does that mean? In the atmosphere of prayer, that means when you are praying without ceasing, you are talking to your Father in heaven. That means you are being transformed in a bubble, if you please, of a iPhone, if you please, eye to eye with Jesus, talking with him as friend with friend. The devil might try to knock on your conversation and break in, but you are in tune with Jesus, and you don't have time for the devil, and the devil can't stay in the very presence of God. An atmosphere of prayer. I am so amazed, and each night, each morning, when we come here to see this place just as full for prayer, that's powerful. More prayer, more power. We need it in these days. It's time to go home. We need what God has for us. And when we look at it and we see it, these beautiful promises that have been given to us in the Word of God, they will, ladies and gentlemen, solidify our relationship with Him and give us strength. David said, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. When you have these things in your mind and in your heart and in your lifestyle, those temptations, they just fall off. They just fall off because they have no power. The devil has to think of something new. We have to trust him. We have to believe in the promises. I wrote some of them out here today just to share with you, and I'm, and I'm finished. Psalms 27, verse 14, wait on the Lord and be of good courage, and he will strengthen thy heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, and save as such as has a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but God delivered them out of them all. Delight thyself in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of your heart. God is a refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. But they that wait upon the Lord to renew their strength, they shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Fear thou not, I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee. I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not fall, overflow thee. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asks, receive, and him that seeketh, find. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me, and learn of me, for I am weak and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest for your soul. I come that they might have life, and they might have it more abundantly. If the Son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have come over the world. But you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come unto you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If any man see he sins, he has an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And we know that all things work together for good for them that love the Lord, and who are called according to his person, purpose. And our text tonight, for I am persuaded, and if you're persuaded, stand with me, that neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able 
to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Folks, my appeal to you tonight, how many of us never want to be separated from our Lord and Savior? And you want to say, Lord, keep me, keep me because I cannot keep myself. Keep me to your kingdom. Just raise your hands at this time.
who has been here mostly every night and throughout these services day after day. You should be to a point where you can say, I am persuaded. I've made up my mind. I'm coming back to Jesus today. I'm not making an appeal for baptism. I'm talking about you coming back to Jesus. You might have still be an officer in your church. You may have still have a relationship with the community. They know you are a Christian. But in your heart and in your mind, you had lost hope. You were going through the motions. And today is an opportunity to say, Lord Jesus, I am persuaded. I am persuaded that you are God and that you can save me. And despite what I have gone through, despite my fears, despite my doubts, I embrace you today and I want you to take control of my life. If you have that testimony in your heart right now, just come down right now because you are persuaded. You are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You are thankful that he has given you an opportunity to publicly say to everyone who is here, I have renewed my first love with my God that has first loved me. Just now, just come out right now Again, this is not for baptism per se. It's about a renewal of that relationship that sometimes just gets stagnant day by day. Praise God as they come. We're going to ask the praise team to just start with that chorus. Start with that chorus again. Somebody else is coming home. Now, now, now just, just hum it because the Lord is telling me something here. There's somebody here tonight that you've had a rough time in church. Somebody did something to you. And you have turned your back on not only the church but God. You're here because they forced you to be here. But you're here and you've been feeling him talking to you. You've been feeling him touching you. You have wept silently in your bed. You say in your prayers, Lord, can I restore myself with you? Can you come back to me? And the Lord is saying, yes, you can, because, you see, we have to learn to forgive if we are forgiven. And if there's someone like that right now, just come right down in this congregation. Come right down to this altar. And say, Lord, I'm coming back. I'm not going to let people keep me from you. Because they have no heaven, they have no hell. You are my God. You are my Savior. And I want to restore that broken relationship that has been there. Maybe people didn't know it was there, but it's been there in my heart. It's been eating me up. I haven't had peace. But as I've been listening to your word and reading your word and hearing these prayers, and I know some of them are for me, I feel it, and I'm coming back. If you can't come down, just raise your hand if you're that man, that woman or boy or girl. And I know you're here because God told me to say it. Someone else today, someone else, just raise that hand or come on down. Now I just have two more appeals. Tomorrow night is communion. And as I spoke today with the treasurer of our conference here, we were talking about the communion service and I asked the question, I said, 
where are they going to do the foot washing? I said, because, you know, it's really crowded. And he said something to me that just touched my heart. He said it will be in their individual chalets. And that different churches have bought the basins and everything is there for the people to have communion in their chalets. And I said, what a wonderful idea. Because church, listen to me. As Adventists, we are the best ones at winning strangers. We'll go around the world to win a stranger. But in our homes, there is tension. In our homes, there are division. In our homes, there are walls of petition. The communion service will break down those walls if it's done in the right spirit. If you say you're sorry, if you ask for forgiveness, if you put together those things that have been broken apart as husband and wives and their children come together and ask the Lord to make their home the home that it should be, that angels will love to dwell. And as you confess your sins to one another and then wash each other's feet, the Holy Spirit will be a witness in those homes, in those chalets, in those hearts. And folks, if you want the Holy Spirit in your chalet as you prepare for communion tomorrow, I want you to just raise your hand and say, Lord, let it be according to your will. And give me the submission will to you that I might do my part to let this be. Praise God. And then lastly, lastly, to those individuals who are planning to be baptized, be faithful to God. Be thou faithful unto death. And he has promised you and all of us in here a crown of life. It's more than within your grasp. It's in your heart because he placed it there. We're going to ask that our president will come forward. You know I always ask these shepherds of the flock to give us our closing prayer when we make appeals like this. It's time for us, as God's people, to be his people. And when we do that, we will make God known. Thank you. Heavenly Father, you have truly used your manservant this evening. And God has indeed been made known to us. And Lord, as you've revealed yourself to us, it now rests with us to make you known to every man, woman, and child that we meet. May Jesus Christ truly be seen through our lives. We are persuaded tonight. We're not ashamed. We represent, serve, love, magnify Jesus Christ. We desire to come, we desire for you to come back to this earth, Lord. But we are cognizant of the fact that there are many people, even in this very town in which we hold camp meeting, who do not know Jesus Christ. And Father, it is not just about us receiving a spiritual high, but it's, so, it's about us being a witness in Prestadon. Yes. When we go to the shops, we are a witness. We are an ambassador. We are persuaded.
when we go on the public transport, when we go into the taxis, when we move around, when we meet the staff on this very site. Every one of us, we're ambassadors for Jesus Christ. Yes, Lord. And we pray, Lord, that our friendship, our smile, our courtesy, our Christian character may be understood, may be seen, may be received by everyone of the Pontin staff. There are many events that occur right here on this site throughout the year. Many festivals, many holidays. But Lord, may the difference be experienced by the staff in that they see Jesus Christ in us. So Lord, we pray that our witness is not a witness merely of word, but our witness is of our life. We praise you, we magnify for what you gain, what you have done tonight for making yourself known. Yes, we leave this place to make you known in our chalets, in our communities, and eventually when we return home to our various neighborhoods and workplaces, we will make you known, not merely by word, but by Christian lifestyle. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.